We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Hello listeners, wherever you are, and a warm welcome to the Highland Bullpen. Now we're recording this episode on June the 1st, and appropriately enough, all four of our teams have been in red-hot form. We managed to get a clean sweep of clean sweeps last weekend, with our teams, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Tigers and the Mariners, all vanquished their foes in successive games. Now, Alan, that's a, a mighty impressive statistic, but also it's a mighty impressive set of scalps. And before I come uh, to Alan, and we'll also get the thoughts of Yorkshire Dave and Dave Jr., the other bullpen bros. But Alan, that was a, a hugely impressive weekend of action for our teams. And for your Tigers, a really well-timed series of victories over the Yankees, no less. Yeah, fantastic. I think everybody's, well, everybody in this particular bullpen is quite happy to see the, the Yankees getting swept. And I think it helps the Red Sox in their quest to make sure they finish in the top two of, of the, the East Division. I predicted, well, I didn't predict, I hoped last week of the seven games we would play, we would win three. We won one in our first series, pretty much to expect it. And I did say if we were to win three, it was possible that we would have to sweep the Yankees. So maybe I'm the guy to turn to for MLB Tigers betting predictions. But uh, no, fantastic. Big, big scalp. Tigers are always a poor start to the season. It's difficult to recover the statistics and your your win percentage on that. But creeping up there, there are now four or five teams behind us. But uh, no, well well done to the Tigers. And the, the, the starting pitchers continue, I think, to do well. Uh, get, get a good few innings, five, six innings in them as well. So uh, delighted to see that. And a fantastic stat, which we'll no doubt talk about as well. <laughs> Well, with your prediction skills, Alan, maybe next time you're heading to Detroit, you should maybe do a stopover in Vegas and see if your <laughs> luck extends to the tables. The White Sox didn't need much luck against the Orioles, polishing off Baltimore's finest in four games. And Dave Jr., that was a, a mighty impressive sweep from, from your guys from Chicago. Baltimore's finest doesn't really say a lot about the ones that don't make the team, Richard. Uh, that, that was... Everything I've heard over the weekend, there seems to be a lot of love for Baltimore's manager. I think he might have a, an old White Sox uh, history there. Uh, the team as well and the fans, there seems to be a lot of love for Baltimore. And I think um, a few of the players have come out recently and just said they almost feel a little bit embarrassed about their run. Um, now, usually that's whenever, whatever team you support across world sport, usually when a team is on a horrendous slump, it's when, you know, usually against your team um, that, that the you know the team in the slump manages to pick up that much needed win, um, but we were able to to kind of come out of that with four wins on the back of a, a series win against the Cardinals. So you know, it's been a really really good week for the White Sox. Um, some good offense, some good defense, and you know we came off a, a double header last night against the Indians, where 
really, really important series of games against them coming up, them being our nearest rivals in the American League Central. So I think when you travel over to Cleveland, um, if you can come away, you're holding your own, coming away to each Desmond, uh, I think you can be pretty happy with that. Uh, if you don't lose ground or you know, on the plus side, if if we're able to to win those last two remaining games, it'd be great. But when you've got a pitcher like Bieber coming up against you tonight, it's always going to be a tall order. But no, we've had a, a really solid week, Richard. And moving over to a different shade of socks, the Red Sox from Boston had a, a truncated series, just two games against the Marlins, Yorkshire Dave, but you certainly handled them very well in those two games. Yeah, this came off the um, back of um, games against the Atlanta Braves. And um, I think it was on Wednesday I was watching that game. I watched it up until the sixth inning. Yeah, because it was a sort of late first pitch for UK watchers. And the Braves had a slender 4-3 lead over the Red Sox. And were threatening to sweep that sort of mini-series at Fenway, I think, uh, just a couple of games um, just as well, I didn't try to stay up because uh, I think if I'd have been getting up for work next day, I'd have put the TV on and I'd have been still playing. They've had a bad week weather-wise in Boston and uh, to cut a long story short, there was a three-hour rain delay. And the, the game, the official time of the game was two hours 56 with a two-hour 53 rain delay, so it was nearly six hours. But... Uh, the Red Sox came back and they won that game, so yeah, it's quite important to to win these close games and uh, square up the series. And then the very next day, against appropriately against the Fish, the Marlins, um, there was light rain before the, the game. I mean, this is uh, the thing about baseball. Similarities with cricket in some respects. You know, the fans have got a, a similar sort of attitude to rain they're ever hopeful that the the game will be played despite what they're seeing for their that with their own eyes but there, there was light rain in the lead up to the game but it didn't prevent the start um but it rained throughout the whole game and it became persistent rain and driving rain and eventually i think they got to because uh, red sox were the were the home team i think they uh, the Red Sox played, batted out their five innings and then pitched the sixth inning. Um, and um, after that, the tarp, the dreaded tarp came on and um, they, there was no more play, but they played enough innings. I think the old rule used to be that as long as the visiting, if, if the home team is ahead and the visiting team has pitched, has got 15 outs, not five innings, then the game can be called. So they just got home. So and then the next the next day, the third game was postponed. So they only really played one and uh, five ninths or two thirds of a game against the Marlins. But they did they did well to to come out with uh, you know three three wins. Absolutely. You mentioned the other comparison between cricket, Yorkshire, Dave. Does that mean having seen them both? I know cricket can still be played in a kind of light drizzle kind of idea. What is baseball the same, or could you play cricket in well that you couldn't play baseball in, or the other way around? What do you reckon? I, 
definitely the baseball guys will play in worse weather than the cricket guys. And it, it's nothing to do with really, you know, anything against they just don't, they don't like playing in the rain. It's too wet. It is generally, they play with the same ball in cricket, don't they? So that has yeah. big yeah. impacts on it. Um, but it's mainly to do with the, uh, the wicket as well or the pitch because they're bowling the ball and bouncing it on the pitch. And if the pitch gets wet, it will deteriorate and break up. And, you know, that would prevent them from being able to play. Plus, if it gets too wet, then the day again goes on for several days. And if they do get some hot weather, then it can affect the pitch for the, you know, a drying wet pitch can make it really difficult to bat on, especially against spinners. So, yeah, the baseball, they'll play pretty much in anything. I think the thing that will stop them playing is if there's actually water standing on the infield or the outfield. It's, it's still difficult for the pitch, although they, use, they can use a different ball for each pitch, you know, that will be wet and it's harder to grip the ball. So there's a little bit of extra danger sliding into, you know, to bases, etc., and fielding. But, yeah, they're a hardy lot, uh, baseball players, I think. And the umpires and all the, the ground staff, you know, they, they were my heroes today, everyone involved in the, the, the Fenway faithful you know, you looked at the start of the game and there's, you know, it's a, it wasn't a full crowd. But there's quite a few there, 9,000 there. And even with a three-hour delay, you could, we would have been there. You could see that behind the plate, the ones that had stayed there weren't the same ones that had started there. Yeah. <laughs> it took an advantage of getting some good seats and uh, braving the rain. So yeah. good on them. Plenty of Red Sox uh, cagoules about as well. And you never have caught us sneaking into better seats and taking advantage <laughs> in that kind of way, obviously. And I know Dave Jr., you'd you'd echo that, I'm sure. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, at the risk of turning the podcast into a little bit of a, a kind of weather report, it's interesting when Dave's talking about the different conditions. I've noticed that recently there's there's been a lot of talk about visibility during some of the MLB games and that, I don't have a big cricket background at all, but I've often heard you know, a lot of the cloud cover, that can quite often uh, be a wee bit of a, a worry for a lot of the, the guys out there playing cricket. But even one of the examples in a White Sox game the other night was they were really, whoever was at bat was really taking their time because they were waiting for the shadow of the stand to pass over uh, home plate. Uh, or, or sorry, to move away from home plate. And they were really just taking as much time as they possibly could. So it just shows you that, you know, these professionals, they really will try and eke out every last uh, advantage that they possibly can, Richard. Yes, Dave Jr., you're quite right there. And I don't know, Dave Jr., you're maybe trying to distract me from talking about the final part of the quartet of clean sweeps because that involved their, the Mariners and involved Rangers losing four games in a row which doesn't happen very often these days. Sadly, in this case, it was the Texas Rangers who were in the receiving end and the Mariners won the first game quite comfortably, but they also won, and I know Yorkshire Dave made this point, they won the close games, 3-2, 3-2, 4-2, and actually, even beyond that, last night they beat the Oakland A's 6-5, so there's something really satisfying about those close victories, I always think, and certainly for me, any day where any of your teams gets one over Rangers is a rare but welcome one. These days. Of course, the real star of the show is the Highland Bullpen mascot, Hamish the Highland Cow. Hamish, can you say hello to our listeners? 
You'll hear Hamish at regular intervals and he'll also pop up with a special role in the quiz in the seventh inning stretch where he'll let us know if somebody's got the answers wrong. For some of the bullpen bros, Rangers are their heroes, although not me. But in the subject of heroes more widely, this has been a great week for heroes in the world of MLB. And I guess, Dave Jr., you'd like to, to start us off with your personal hero. Well, my hero of the week actually ties in quite nicely with your own Mariners. I don't know if any of you caught the, the little snippet. It came out in MLB today, Tom Murphy. So I think he was involved in. Uh, in your walk-off win, Richard. But I think from reading the article, I think the guy's a bit of a consummate professional. He really, um, he's quite hard on his teammates. He's, he's quite a joker in the back, but always with a serious point. Um, but I think he's been taking some stick from his colleagues uh, that he does, doesn't enjoy himself out on the turf too much. So in the last few games, whenever, so in the last month, his batting average, since he's taken a new attitude, uh, out onto the pitch, he uh, his batting averages and all of his numbers are, are completely going the right way. But last night, I think he was. Tra- I do believe he was trending worldwide because he took his celebration up to a new level. And it's both really exciting to see the guy celebrate, but also pretty scary as well because he's just got one of those faces where it, it's almost like a oh, it's you. You'll really need to go and have a look yourself if you haven't seen it already uh, today. It's it's quite terrifying his his <laughs> excitement, um, and again it's just it's a good example. They're having a lot of fun with it, and I think you know I do often believe teams that have fun together, they do very often win together as well. So uh, that's uh, perhaps a good example of, of that recent really strong success that you guys have been having, Richard. But again, so to, to recap, hero of the week, absolutely Tom Murphy. I'm going to put him out there. Um, it's just great to see people having fun. Absolutely. We're all for having fun here on the bullpen. And a man who knows how to have fun is Mr. Cameron. Alan, who, who's caught your eye this week? Who's been who's made your pulse quicken? Yeah, the, the, the team who drinks together wins together, I think is the phraseology. So we've been the four of us have been pretty good at trying that through the time as well. So we're we we're, just need to get the winning worked out, Alan, if we can crack that bit of it. We've got yeah, we're winning that. in life, clearly. Yeah, a couple of things just quickly mention. One of the Tigers lads, only Mother's Day in certain parts of the world at the weekend, including the Dominican Republic. So the Tigers, I think it was Jose Cisnero, I'm not, not entirely sure, but one of the Tigers Dominican Republic lads turned up with pink socks. So I, I thought, obviously, the white and red ones must have got mixed together, but I thought that was quite cool to see a third colour of socks. But for me, Mr. Cameron, there can only be one hero of the week as my man, Daz Cameron. I know we're going out to Major League Baseball here, but he reappeared post-injury in his AAA Toledo Mudhens. Uh, So Daz is back in the team and indeed homered in his first week back as well. So unless we get him back up in the Major Leagues this year, we might not be mentioning him too often. You can hold me to that, perhaps. But I thought... A home run, back from injury. He's going to get my hero nomination of the week. That seems very, very reasonable, Alan. And nothing at all to do with his name, I'm sure. We're going to have to end up sponsoring this man, aren't we, guys? <laughs> but he could sponsor us. 
Well, that might be a more that might be a, Ford, a fairer distribution of wealth, to be fair. But uh, but no, I think we could definitely adopt him as our favourite in the world of baseball across the major and the minor leagues. Now, of course, a hero for most people that would count as one in a million. But somebody this week got to do something that was one in, in two million. And Yorkshire Dave, I don't know if you had the chance to witness that little bit of history in Major League Baseball this week with that two millionth run. Actually, yeah, I was uh, looking into that today and I thought it would be interesting to see how <laughs> being a sort of, I don't know, some someone who looks at things from a different angle, I thought, well, who got the millionth and how long ago was it? But I hadn't really had time to uh, to look into it too far. I think there was a guy called Bob Watson who's a... Uh, Presumably, sounds like another Scottish name, doesn't it? And uh, I think he got the millionth back in the 80s for the Houston Astros, but I'd need to check on that. So, even I commend your, your knowledge anyway, because you were very close. It was uh, it was Bob Watson, you're quite right, in the millionth run at Candlestick Park in San Francisco, but it was 1975, slightly mm-hmm. earlier than you'd guessed. Obviously, a good year, the year I was born. But what's quite funny about that story is they were aware going in that somebody on that day would hit that historic million run. So I think a lot of parks had like live scorecards almost, like you know, updating where it was. So at the same time, he'd he'd hit his uh, a guy I think in Cincinnati. I think it was can't remember who it was, but it was Cincinnati game. I think it was a shortstop. He'd hit a home run as well. So literally, in, in quite distant parts of America, they were running around at the same time, and they had to <laughs> determine by replay or review, whatever, who who was the first person uh, to actually get round for that million for one. So the poor Cincinnati guy for the Reds got the million and first home run, but <laughs> naturally history doesn't remember those fellas. So it was Bob Watson of the Houston Astros, and obviously we've got a soft spot of the Houston Astros. And our friends' pod, excellent podcast there as well. But this week, the two million fun crushed by Josh Donaldson of the the Minnesota Twins. Another pretty Scottish surname, don't it? Is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, having having a good run at the moment. Amazing numbers to think of, isn't it? I mean, you could go into it. I think the two million doesn't count the Negro Leagues and other elements of baseball's history as well. But it's I think it's still a remarkable, remarkable record. I think, Alan. Yeah, there there is a project in place to add the Negro Leagues runs in. Now, I'm I'm assuming that I mean, in one sense, you go. I think surely somebody knows how many runs have been scored in there, but presumably someone is away validating that, or there's some big project to actually allocate all the records and amalgamate them all in together. I think the most stunning thing for me about that statistic was my realization that. Really, 36 years ago, when I was starting out my working life, if I'd known that job existed to be the MLB statistician, my 35 years in insurance might have been wasted. That would just have been just right at my street. Still waiting for the MLB to confirm the last time there were sweeps, if we include the Red Sox one by our four teams as well. There must be a statistic for that at some point as well. It must have... uh, if it's if indeed it's happened. Well, talking about our, our teams there and the uh, run milestones there, Alan, the really good news is that later in the week, the White Sox play the Tigers. So we might be able to log the three millionth run. That oh. Oh, that's fighting talk coming out of Chicago there. That's, uh, 
that is good chat. We're all looking with interest to see how that. that no, the, the only way you'll get tigers. <laughs> the only way you'll get through that is if your your White Sox guys in our fantasy team start getting their bats a wee bit hotter. We need they'll need to get a wee bit of action. Although I see Tim Anderson is fully healthy now, so that's gonna that's gonna help the cause. Yeah, do you know it's, a, it's interesting you mentioned Tim Anderson there, but just a, a, a small point. I'm always reminded of Dave's phrase that there's always something happening in a baseball game, and late on against the Indians on I think it may have been last night actually game one, Tim was caught between first and second base, but he purposely done so, um, which allowed uh, Zach Collins I think it was on third to run home and to score the winning run. So at that point, we two on and two out, and it was the extra innings, so the eighth inning, because it was um, a seven-inning game. So at that point, um, you had Zach Collins, who was uh, who signified the winning run. And what Tim done was he evaded the first baseman and the second baseman in a game of tag, or tag, and he was directing traffic. So he was telling third, you know, run home, run home. He was so aware of what was exactly what was happening and he had to evade uh, the Indians uh, coming to get him between first and second and make sure that Zach got home in time so um, no it was really quite good just when you mentioned Tim there uh, great guy on the, on the field as well and uh, again as Dave says there's always something happening in a baseball game to uh, to trigger some 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 interesting story uh, baseball, of course, as always, is packed full of heroes, but you can't have heroes unless you have some villains as well. And I believe this week amongst the the villains we've encountered have been a certain New York Yankee. Dave mentioned this, the, the, the lollygagging Sanchez, if you wanted to explain a wee bit about that. Dave, it worked out yeah. well for us because he was playing the Tigers, but yeah. Yeah, I think... I was watching that game, I think, because Red Sox game being called off, so well, I watched the Tigers and Yankees, and uh, I don't think I was paying 100% attention at the time. I just heard the commentator say that Sanchez is uh, accusing him of being a lollygagger. Now, as a boy, as a youth, you'd be surprised to hear, having worked with me and know how hard-working and diligent I was, that I have heard that word used uh, against my good self and it's uh, you know it sort of means sort of lazy or tardiness of me and it was something kind of kind of weird because uh, I think he'd, he'd made a ground ball hit and he was um, I think he was beaten out they were well behind weren't they they were looking like they might mount a Yankee style uh, rally didn't they in the eighth uh, the six six one down his grounder got him to first base just in time and the guy on third base scored a second run. But they did fire the um, gunner with a short stop of third baseman, tried to get uh, Sanchez out at first, but um, it was a misdirected throw. So Sanchez just proceeded to <laughs> second base, but he didn't, and the camera didn't even follow him because it was just so obvious that he could get to second base, and it was only after a while that the commentators even noticed that he was just sort of ambling <laughs> towards the second base, and they retrieved the ball and got him out. He was a third out as well. So uh, that was six. I think it was the, was that the eighth inning? 
Yeah, I think they even got a few guys on base in the ninth, didn't the Yankees play it, finished up 6-2. So this Sanchez, he was, um, I think he's been pilloried for that. And I, this morning I looked it up, I just, I Googled, I couldn't remember which game it was, I Googled lollygagging and Sanchez. And this uh, this report came up from the New York Post. And I read it and I thought, that sounds familiar, but it doesn't sound right. And when I, to cut another long story short, I when I checked it, this was an an article from the post in 2018, and they were ripping into this Sanchez. So he's right. been guilty of lollygagging before, but he's clearly a great batting catcher. But seemingly there's some sort of defensive question marks over him. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, good on the Americans for keeping that word to the fore. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he's obviously got a, 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 some form for lollygagging. I have to be honest, I think of lollygagging myself is more like a, an Enid Blyton style word. I can imagine the famous five being in a school outing on the beach and somebody <laughs> lollygagging because they're picking up shells or such stuff like that. I'm impressed that our friends across the Atlantic are keeping the, the flag flying for pretty much outdated English words. We'll have to think of a few more words that you never hear anymore and maybe get a word of the week for the bullpen. We'll maybe invite invite bullpen fans to let us know what your word of the week is. Could be to do with baseball. It could be to do a really good description of one of your players. So that's a little a challenge for our followers on social media. Now, Alan, any villains of the week? I know you're generally a positive, happy-go-lucky, live-and-let-live kind of guy, but surely somebody must have got in your wick. Slightly, yes. It's it's one of those things that baseball th- throws up, and I, I contrast it with football. So, I'm not sure if it was the same Tigers Yankees game, but one of the Tigers relief pitchers, uh, Brian Garcia, uh, I think he, yeah, I don't know if he threw an inning or not, which would be fairly normal for guys at that point of the game. You you get the tweet notifications coming through, and you got the tweet notification like one minute saying. Yeah, Tigers have won, Tigers have swept the Yankees, whichever game it was. And like 60 seconds later, there was a tweet saying that they've optioned him to AAA Toledo. So the lad had played a bit of Major League Baseball and then he was traded, or not traded, but he was relegated. Is that a fair word to use for baseball down to, to AAA? His name's... Turned down, I think they call it, are they? Yeah. Which so, is, uh, it's pretty brutal, isn't it? Replaced by his namesake, Ronnie Garcia. Uh, I think they're both right-handed pitchers. And it just seems quite brutal. If if somebody is playing football and they get dropped, they might, and someone, Ronnie, comes in and takes his place next week, that, for a lot of the fringe players, isn't unusual. The other guy's still part of the squad. He's probably going to be on the bench next week. He's unlikely to be turfed completely. But with the numbers in baseball, he, he's gone. He's away to Toledo. Now, I don't know the size of his contract, but I'd imagine if he's going down to Toledo, he's not, he's obviously presumably not a big earner, but it's just, it's a massive gulf going from Major League to AAA. Uh, He's got to go and do his stuff now at AAA. And I guess in a way, does he hope that Ronnie doesn't do his stuff as well to get his wee chance to, to come back up? But fairly, just struck me as a bit more brutal um, the Tigers obviously aren't unique in doing that, but the whole 
the whole concept seemed a wee bit villainous to me. I could see Cruella de Vil, seeing as we're on um, fairy tale characters with Enid Blyton and Cruella de Vil. I could see that being Cruella's type of approach. No, nope. yeah, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. It does seem a little bit, a little bit harsh, but you know, we're all we're all in the bullpen. We know it's tough and competitive out there. If you want to get the chance to throw some pitches on the field. Of course, the real star of the show is the Highland Bullpen mascot, Hamish the Highland Cow. Hamish, can you say hello to our listeners? You'll hear Hamish at regular intervals, and he'll also pop up with a special role in the quiz in the seventh inning stretch, where he'll let us know if somebody's got the answers wrong. And on social media this week, Alan, there'll be some, I'm sure we've had some fastballs, some curveballs, and possibly a slider or two. What's been happening in the world of social media with the Highland Bullpen and with all our friends within the podcasting and social media landscape? Yeah, just a, a couple of wee things. This, this, I realised after nine months I could do this because the, our Twitter handle was at age bullpen, which was something that was automatically given to you when you set up a Twitter account. So I discovered this week, surprisingly for us uh, younger chaps, that you could actually go in and change that. So I've actually changed it to at Highland Bullpen, which means nothing for our existing users, but presumably makes us easier to find or whatever. And it looks more correct as well. So I think getting there in nine or 10 months after we set that up, that's quite an impressive record for us. That's showing the fact that we really have embraced this world of technology. I don't know, Alan, I think you're guilty of some lollygagging there. (laughs) My apologies, my apologies. Our friend Rob put an interesting question on social media, Rob from the Astros, when he was asking about the wave. And I I wanted to inquire a wee bit more about this because one of the guys who replied to it was saying uh, that the wave in baseball is designed to put the batter off. It was interesting because I'm sort of thinking that, I mean, the wave, unfortunately, I think we have to take some credit, if that's the right word, because I think I'm sure the wave was initiated in football. Was it the Mexico World Cup? Uh, hence the name, the Mexican Wave. Um, not not a big fan of it. I'm not sure why you do it in football games. But the intention, apparently, of a wave at baseball is to put the batter off. The argument being the catchers are sufficiently deep in the field, the fielders are sufficiently deep in the field that they're not seeing the wave taking place, so it doesn't affect them. Uh, and the batter, in that split-second is more likely to be affected than the pitcher. So I think I can vaguely understand that, but I wasn't 100% convinced. So I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. It makes sense. I guess, Alan, I'm thinking the football comparison where in a penalty shootout or even just a, a normal penalty, the crowd behind the goal will wave scarves, jump about, just try and create as much movement as possible to put off the penalty taker and obviously that doesn't affect the goalkeeper because they're facing the opposite direction Uh, so that's probably the comparison I would draw but I'm not sure if either of our Daves Yorkshire or Junior would have a thought on that I think it's certainly a thing isn't it because um, they do toss four ends in the penalty shootout so it's probably seen as an advantage because invariably the captain will pick you know, who wins the toss will pick uh, the 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 home end or the the end where his supporters are, so that they can the good old fans can can put them off. But yeah, I'm not sure about that with um, 
baseball. I was thinking, as you were saying, that about, you know, always thinking about the comparisons with cricket and, you know, seeing the ball is very important in in both games. And there are things called, you know, you'll see them um, around uh, villages in England where there's a where there's a cricket ground, things called sight screens, and it will be a white wooden affair on wheels that they will be behind the wicket, the stumps at both ends, so that the batsman can see the red ball against the white background. And likewise in, you know, in uh, test grounds, county cricket grounds, they will have an area immediately behind the bowler's arm at each end where there's white seating or an area where there are no spectators so they can see the ball. And you can see that in baseball grounds as well, can't you? Immediate straight centre field, there's usually a part of the bleachers which will be in the batter's sight line behind the pitcher's arm where it's quite often dark green. So I'm assuming that that is designed to help the uh, batter see the ball because you know it's in, it's important from a health and safety point of view, <laughs> not from anything else. But so I would question. So it would be he's looking straight centre field into that area. So the Mexican wave, the crowd would have to time it just right for it to, to sort of uh, you know all get together at the point. At, it was going to be in his peripheral vision anyway, so I'm, I'm not sure it's going to put off a determined um, batsman, but won't stop your average Boston or New York crowd uh, trying it <laughs> against their rivals, would it? Uh, no, I, I'm sure they would be right up for that, and I suspect the natives in Chicago, home of Dave Jr.'s White Sox, would be pretty much up for a bit of that as well, Dave Jr. Yeah, there seems to be... You know, there's a lot of heckling goes on it as well. You, during the course of a game, you really can start to pick out particular fans who are, who are putting people off. On one hand, I'm not sure how I feel about it. If, if it's quite funny, but on the other hand, you know these these men are trying to do their best. So I do. You know, I'm not a big fan of heckling generally. Uh, you know, comedy clubs often think it's people that are just going into business for themselves and. It's not really about adding to somebody's evening. Um, but if I'm thinking about putting off batters, uh, I don't know. You, you, these people have paid a lot of money to come and watch a good game. Uh, I think, but sorry, on the flip side, I think that you've got a lot of these these guys at bat who just completely zone out and uh, they're not, they don't take it into consideration at all. Thanks, Dave Jr. On the subject of heckling, Alan, I believe, is this the, some of our... Friends at the moment from Los Angeles may have been heckling or at least disparaging. Tell us a bit more about this this week. Yes, there was a MLB Europe, which is a worthwhile Twitter feed to follow. And they're obviously there to appeal and to engage with European baseball followers. They occasionally tweet the odd question or thought. So they had a question and the guy, I'll, I'll give the answer, but the guys might I won't have a wee think about what they would say. But the question was, if you were introducing a friend to baseball for the first time, what would you talk to them about? So what's the one thing you would sort of uh, give them a chat about as you're sat, sat down away to watch your first game of baseball with them? And my reply was, just sit down, 
enjoy the banter and enjoy a beer and not to do anything technical. So the LA Angels UK site sort of vaguely agreed with us, but pointed out that they didn't think that our banter was really up to much. I'm guessing all they want to do is for us to remind them that they're actually called the, the Angels Angels, perhaps. I mean, that's that's all I can think. It's, it's the only banter we have for the Angels. But- 100%, Alan, 100%. And what sparked this catty remark, Alan? What do you think that's all about? Probably because we say the the angels, angels on a weekly basis. <laughs> yeah, that could have something to do with it. To be fair, right? We don't speak Spanish, so it's the logical thing to say. So that, that's but true. Maybe that. we'll change it to Los Los Angeles Angeles. <laughs> I'm sure that will win them round, Alan. Now away from the various social media cat fights, the world of fantasy baseball is progressing as always with. The- my Mariners are sinking. Dave Jr.'s 578 weekly trades continue to send him rocketing further away from the rest of the pack. But Dave Jr., has it been a good week for you in the world of fantasy baseball? Just among among the bullpen bros, and then we'll talk a little bit about how the Highland bullpen is doing in the British Podcasters League. Every week's a good week, Richard. Every week's a good week. It's not my fault if you guys just do not have the time to invest uh, properly in researching. Uh, maybe if Alan get the finger out, uh, it could benefit there. No, it's um, it's good. I'm already looking forward to next year's draft. I, I have a slight feeling that we'll probably tweak our own inter-bullpen rules for next year. There's definitely ways that you can try and take advantage and get the most out of every day and I think that's something that coming in from a football background you've generally got all week to have a wee consideration about right you've got Harry Kane is going to play 90 minutes over the entire week but every night you've got a whole new raft of pitchers coming into baseball you've got guys on a hot streak last Saturday they might have been down and out but suddenly they're in 12 hits out the last 15 at bats Um, so it really is I think if people People that play fantasy baseball, I think it, it must be a real professional sport at times. Uh, I'm sure that there are fans in, in the States that take it to the real nth degree. Um, but no, it's always, it's really interesting to see how the scoring pans out. Uh, and I know that from a, the podcast point of view, I know that Alan's been keeping in tabs of it this week. And um, just how are, how are we getting on this week, Alan? So this week, well, we, we had another W. So that's eight games gone. Six wins, one draw, and one defeat. Uh, the W, unfortunately, obviously, it's based on the ten categories, and the overall score is based on how many of those ten categories you win. So, although we won, we fell, I think, from third to fourth place. Interestingly, the three teams in second, third, and fourth all have the same number of category wins, but we we've not managed to have any. We shouldn't be too surprised, given what we've talked about before. Birds with balls are streaking ahead, uh, continue to do that. But the exciting news is uh, they get to play the Highland bullpen this week. Uh, And in terms of fantasy baseball being a professional subject and why I can't allocate any time to the Highland bullpen fantasy league, because I'm a team player, as as you well know. (laughs) Yeah, I think last I looked last night, we were 8-1 down in the categories, although it's, it's early days. But for the first time, I'd, what I did was actually, you can also go in and have a look at your opponent's scores. And I think one of the things we've been conscious of 
is that we didn't really pick a team initially who were going to be bringing us saves and holds. And we have tried to tweak the team in that basis and have done quite well. I think we've done quite well. But then looking at the Birds of Balls, their saves and holds are over twice ours since the start of the season. Uh, and their ERA and whip are obviously quite a bit lower than ours as well. So I think the tactic there is that if you put in some good closers and relievers, you'll generally get low average numbers and you'll obviously get a decent number of saves as well. So my suggestion, I was thinking about trying to change that on a weekly basis, but without giving the secrets away, but birds of balls are welcome to listen to this, it might be worth us accepting that we're not going to beat them in those categories because they're so far ahead this week. So we maybe make sure the wins and the strikes and we we revert to what was our initial tactic of, of picking up the starting pitchers, Rich. Yes, Alan, I think we probably have to be realistic and if we can actually take a couple of categories off of the, the league leading and powering away pots for balls, we can consider that a, a bit of a result, I reckon. Yorkshire Dave, am I not being ambitious enough or is that realistic, do you think? No, they're absolutely streets ahead, aren't they? Uh, I was looking at that today. I mean, you know, in our own defence, not only did we not really know what was going on, we didn't know what was going on in terms of a win or a loss, did we? I mean, I, certainly I didn't realise. I thought when we were pitched against the team each week, our total number of points we compared with their total number of points and we would get the win against them or against us. So after eight weeks, we would, you know, either be eight wins and no losses or, uh, you know, a combination of those. But it's actually 10 categories each week and it's much better, much fairer. So we didn't realise that. We didn't know we had to have a, a balanced team. We picked it out of our four um players only out of our own four teams. So I think we've done a, a, a great job. But the Bears of all, when you look at the, their winning record is 731. We're 12 games back. So in you know in, in official baseball speak, our record is 581. Now this is sort of a record of we have 46 wins, 33 losses and one tie. And that should, that's after eight weeks, so that should add up to 80 categories. So you get a point, say a point for a win and half a point for a tie. So we've got 46 and a half out of 80, which equals 0.581. And that, that's our record. The second and third teams face, you know, we're neck and neck with them. It's just the, 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 the birds with balls are just in a totally different league. We're all playing for second place but I completely agree let's fill our team with guys who are going to get the K's the strikeouts the runs maybe home runs as well so the categories where quite often our players we seem to pick players who play a lot of games every week so I think our strategy <laughs> it wasn't exactly a strategy but the way it's turned out our players, we usually have more at-bats and more innings pitched. So that supports us getting more runs and more strikeouts. So there's a couple of categories straight away, possibly more wins. 
So yeah, I think it's remarkable what we've what we've achieved. To be honest. No, I would agree, and that's testament to yourself and Alan, I think, particularly leading that. I tell you, see, going up against the Birds of Balls, it feels like you've got a, a, we've got a good, solid, definitely upper, mid, middle-of-the-pack baseball team, but they seem to have the combined Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Ken Griffey Jr. It's like an all-time, all-star team it feels like we're going up against. I think the thing that intrigues me about that, and... We can say that we didn't really know what we were doing, and, and they would appear too. But with 14 other teams in the league, you'd have thought some of the star performers would have been picked up by by some of the other teams. I mean, to, to consistently win and to shoot ahead all the time is quite phenomenal stuff. So excellent picking mm-hmm. by them. So hats off. It's Shot a long off. season as well, isn't it? And uh, I was thinking today, I don't, I'm not saying we should in any way abandon our self-set rules. But, you know, if we did get any long-term injuries to players, there are not too many players available for us to bring in from each of our teams because no. you know, quite a lot of the other teams have got some of our, uh, say, our, our star players. So I was thinking, you know, if if we needed someone, maybe someone like a, a Daz Cameron, someone with a, a particularly great Scottish name would also be eligible to play for the Highland bullpen. You know, <laughs> just a thought if we needed. <laughs> Why not? On, on the subject of veering away from our own teams, and I, I didn't have enough time to think about this, but the, the, there's a Twitter account, MLB UK Community, and I think there's a there's a lad who seems to be a Nationals fan is running it, but he's just set up a last man standing competition. So if you're familiar with that from the, the football sweep stuff, so he's, he's doing a baseball team sweep. So the winning, you put your two pound in and the winning team goes on and then you credit whoever is the last man standing gets, gets the whole pot. I picked for tonight the Twins because they're playing the Orioles. So uh, there you go, the Orioles are going to win tonight. But I did wonder in, in the spirit of fun whether I should have been looking at for the assuming we would get this far but for the first four nights of any subsequent weeks or selections we tried to pick our own four teams first and try to work out the order in which they could each win it's it's probably in reality chucking two quid away which yeah does that remain true to our ethos or do we do we go to try to win the 30 quid or whatever is at stake I like your idea Alan I think if you stick to the ethos not only does it feel right but it's a a moral victory if you win. It's a moral victory if you lose. We just cannot uh, come out of that situation badly. Well, we'll stick with the twins tonight and then we're changing from, from now on. That is the strategy decided. You can only, obviously, once you go beyond your four teams, you have to pick a new team, but we will. We can then look at Rob's Astros and stuff like that as well. Of course, the real star of the show is the Highland bullpen mascot, Hamish the Highland Cow. Hamish, can you say hello to our listeners? You'll hear Hamish at regular intervals and he'll also pop up with a special role in the quiz in the seventh inning stretch where he'll let us know if somebody's got the answers wrong. Now, last week's Ask About Anything, we we talked about favourite game scores, but we didn't go into detail and we've now had a week to think about what baseball scores are those that we enjoy most. Do we like a... 
a, a hard-fought pitcher's duel with a run or two deciding matters? Or do you like to see the batter swing and the ball flying to all directions of the, the outfield and beyond the fences? Personally, I will first, I like 5-1. I have no idea why it's my favourite score. <laughs> and I know it will sound very random, but in football as well, 5-1 has always been my favourite score. In the sport of football, stroke soccer, it always seems to me the beginning of what I would describe as you've given somebody a right good tanking. For some reason, 4-1, good win, but 5-1s we start to get into the real kind of getting one over on your team. And obviously Celtic and Rangers have been on both ends of those score lines over the years. There's some famous 5-1s between the two of those clubs as well. So in the world of baseball, 5-1 does it for me. That's my that's my top pick. Dave Jr., obviously I've gone for a fairly middle-of-the-road score line. Do you have a, a favoured number, or a pitcher's duel, or a, or a home run fest? I would much rather, and I'm sure this answer changes over time, something that I mentioned a few weeks ago is that the, the pitcher's duel really interests me, and I think it can keep your attention over the course of, of a game. So it's great to see your own team smash home runs, but if we're talking about sitting down to watch any of the 30 teams, I would much rather see out a nil-nil and seeing how that progresses, because the tension on every single pitch uh, is there all the way through, from strikeouts to flyouts to ground balls to double plays to even potentially keeping a perfect game intact. I would rather go for a 1-0. Um, if you're talking about experiencing the game as a fan, again, I think it'd be great to see a perfect game, to see a, a no-hitter. But as a fan, I think if you're there with friends... Um, you know, you'd love to see the likes of a 10-9, a 5-4. You know, we were lucky, I've completely forgotten the score that we we seen down in London, but we got to see a, a whole array of home runs, of, of fantastic incidents. I think I've, I'd be happy to see scoring. High-scoring games can be done at any point, any game, uh, but the no-hitters, the perfect games, the really tight ones to show you know, a pitcher and a catcher at their, at their very finest, um, I would rather go for that, Richard. I have to pin you down for a score. We need numbers here, Dave. Oh, Jr. one nil, definitely. Yep, they're good ones. Yeah. Up, and again, if, if we're going to go down a really detailed point of view, you get into that tenth inning. You've got a runner on second. You've perhaps got someone stealing home uh, to win that. Um, I think that's that's fantastic, or potentially a walk off home run, uh, just to to add it to the mix. No, a nice, nice mix there. Yorkshire, Dave, what would be your, in your perfect world with a, a nice pint of ale in hand, what baseball score would you be watching? Yeah, this sort of got me in mind of Nick Hornby's 1992 uh, debut book, uh, Fever Pitch, and uh, he has a, a chapter towards the end of that book entitled Seven Goals and a Punch-Up, in, huh? in which he describes his uh, criteria for a match to be really, truly memorable. And uh, I think there's seven items that he puts in that chapter. And the first one is goals, as many as possible. And then he says there's an argument which says that the goals begin to lose their value in particularly easy victories, but he's never found that a problem. And he enjoyed the last goal of Arsenal 7-1 win against Sheffield Wednesday as much as he enjoyed the first, sorry, Wednesday fans. But he had a particular, he liked it when, if the goals were shared, then it's best for the the other team to get theirs first, and he had a particular penchant for a, a 3 2 home victory. So, what would be the, the, the baseball equivalent? And I thought, does it does a plethora of runs 
diminish the value of the game. Possibly good pitching is a part of the game, as is good defense. Both are really highly regarded by fans. I agree what what Dave says. He's sort of a purist to see, you know, pitching an old-fashioned pitcher pitching duel, you know, one one nil win or something like that. But um, I don't think it detracted from um, MLB London experience, did it, to see all those 50 runs scored over two games. It did mean that both games were about five hours long. You know, I, I think if you've got a vital inning with two outs and the batter with two strikes against his name, that's when you see the crowd really get into their feet and clapping and cheering the pitcher on. They just love that moment. Likewise, an inning or a game-finishing double play is a crowd pleaser, you know, a defensive play. But let's, let's face it, a walk-off home run has to do it for me, or a walk-off win. So the home team batting last, especially, ideally, like uh, Nick Hornby and he's coming back from behind tight win, say you're... And again, like Dave says, in maybe in extra innings, but um, certainly if it's in the ninth inning, you're a run down, there's a guy on base, two outs and your bat hits uh, a home run. It's a walk-off win. There's nothing, the, there's no game like it, is it? There's nothing your opponent can do about it. So 6-5. Like swing of the bat there, that's a, a, that's a good one as well. Alan, did, did that one float your boat or have you got a different scoreline in mind? Yeah, no, I'm going to be quite similar to Dave, but I just wanted to show you that first, Richard. Um, <laughs> Rangers Football Club Director's Box, uh, 27th of August, 1988. Rangers with Celtic. You would have enjoyed that because it was 5-1. I was there, Alan. Yes, I was there. And Celtic took the lead, Alan, that day as well. Five, some cracking goals. So anyway, long story, which we'll do another time. I was in the Director's Box. Um, David Holmes was the chairman of Rangers at the game and myself and another young lad David Holmes asked us afterwards if we enjoyed the game <laughs> so yeah and I, if I'd known you then I'd have been able to say well Richard would have liked it as well because he likes a 5-1 but no, <laughs> I like the Nick Hornby idea of seven items you need because I think I didn't quite get to seven items but I wrote down I think the three things I would want to see which will lead on to my perfect score a tight pitching duel over five or six innings. So I'd like to see the two starting pitchers do really well, maybe give up one run each, be fairly relaxed about that. But then I'd like to see a bit of drama as the relievers and the closers come in. I'd like to see a single figure win. And it stands to exactly what Dave said there. I'd like to see a walk-off home run as well. A, the home team are winning. B, there's nothing you can do about it, but just the, the home run gives that drama. I wasn't going to go for 6-5. I thought about 3-2, but I decided that was too much like a football score. So I thought baseball then deserved a 4-3. Oh, seven runs, to, oh. and you often get seven series in a world seven games in a world series and stuff. I, don't know. I like the symmetry of seven there, Alan. I like that. That's a, a good pick as well. My perfect game would include one dugout brawl as well though that would just be the the icing and the cake or the cherry atop the icing because I do love a proper bench clearing brawl you're, you're, you're the boxer there as well so yeah we should maybe have a wee look to see what the seven items should be because we've probably got four or five of them there as well but yeah so Richard looking forward to this week and 
you'll have a think about the seven items you want to see in your <laughs> games. Aside from that, what have the Mariners got coming up? Well, the Mariners, obviously, after me getting a bit worried about them, uh, have actually hit that purple patch of form. You know, the previous clean sweep, we managed to edge out the A's 6-5 yesterday, as, as we record this. So that A series will likely be just concluding by the time this podcast reaches our, listen- our listeners. And from there, we're up against the Angels. So that will require us, I think, to to be at our best there. We've got a series of four games against the Angels. And then we can we can relax a bit, take our foot off the pedal, because we're up against the Detroit Tigers, Alan. So obviously that will we can just take we can just take it easy there. Only not really, because you guys are still scraping the Yankees off your shoes after stomping all over them. So obviously yeah. confidence will be high. So yeah, two teams with confidence high, Alan, assuming they go into that series having had a reasonable run into it there. So yeah. should be a, a real test for both of our clubs. Well, I, th- I think uh, I, th- I think you're right, but I think um, yeah, people disparage the Tigers. But I think Dave Junior will tell us a wee bit more about this. But in looking forward to the White Sox week, I believe that the two best teams in the Highland bullpen division meet this week as well. So is that one you're looking forward to, Dave? Yeah, um, it's always good. I think when any of our teams play against each other, there's that little bit of extra banter goes on. Uh, just like football. Um, I think it's interesting when I was first starting out with baseball I would see every single match as you've got to win that but I think now you're pretty happy to come out of a series with a win and even depending you know, like I mentioned earlier tonight I'd be really happy to come away from Cleveland with a 2-2 Tigers a little bit different I'd like to come out of that winning that series Al whereas I think the Tigers you might be in a position when you go well if we come out away from Chicago 2-2 I might be putting words in your mouth. I think you'd be pretty happy with that. But we we would I would take a three one just now against the Tigers. I'd be really happy to to add those two extra games on um, onto a winning percentage. And again, you've got, just got to respect teams. Tigers, you just sweat the Yankees when you can do that. You, you really can go out and beat anybody out there. And Yorkshire, Dave, your your boys, the Red Sox took a bit of a sore one. Off the Astros, I know you've got a soft spot for the Astros because of our, our friend's excellent podcast there in Texas, but they did give your Red Sox a bit of a, a shellacking uh, yesterday yeah. evening, so you'll be hoping to turn that round. And then, of course, it's them damn Yankees coming up. Yeah, it's a tough week, isn't it? You know, three more games against, you know, our good friend Rob Fontenot and his Astros podcast. You really got a, a, a real soft spot for the team and they totally... Uh, messed up Boston big time, didn't they? Great pitching from, um, I pronounce it, uh, Urquidy. Um, there was hits from all over their lineup, and that was, was the Red Sox's biggest defeat of the, of the season so far, 11 2. So they've got them another, another three times. And then it's the Yankees, and I, you don't normally have to wait 50 odd games in before we play the Yankees. Yeah, the, after four games against. The, the Astros, who are a winning team, 20, 29 and 24, it'll be over the Bronx. So they're in a bit of a, a rut them, themselves at the moment. They've lost their last four, haven't they? You know, obviously, with uh, uh, <laughs> thanks to the Tigers for three of those uh, losses. But they've lost six out of the last seven. And this round, they were going really well. But it's always a stern test for uh, Boston in New York and it will be interesting to see you know with the fans are back just what the 
the atmosphere will be like. We'll, we'll definitely learn quite a bit about the Red Sox this week and Dooning generally. And I think I said this before, it's just packed with uh, winning sides that sides that have got winning records and play the Blue Jays four times and the Rays three times. So who are both in the, the very strong AL East. So, you know, at the end of June, let's have a look at the AL East and see how Boston are doing. Uh, you know, I think I still think they'll be there and competitive and in with a chance, but uh, it's going to be tough. You wouldn't have it any other way, would you, really? Absolutely. No, that's the beauty of baseball, isn't it? You just, you just don't know. But one thing you do know as you're guaranteed a great listen with Highland Bullpen. So like, share, follow and subscribe. And from Alan, Yorkshire Dave, Dave Jr and Hamish, it's goodbye and we'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) That's demarcation, Hamish will get the union on you. (laughs) 